The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Una Linsky said goodbye to her cousin Anne as they stepped off the bus from Dublin on the Ferry House Road in County Meath on October the 12th, 1971. Una turned to walk up Porterstown Lane to her parents' house, but little did either of them know that this would be the last time that Una was seen alive. Her body was later found fully clothed in the Dublin mountains, but the question was, who killed her? Why did suspicion build around three young lads from the same laneway? To this day, the community is split between those who believed in their innocence and those who did not. Now, the killer had left clues, but would the investigating Garthy follow the right paths? This fascinating story is the focus of the latest series of News Talks Inside the Crime podcast, hosted by a man you'll all be familiar with, our own courts correspondent, Frank Graney. Frank, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, first of all, the disappearance of a 19-year-old girl, this has nothing to do with the cluster of disappearances in the 90s. This is 20 years before. Absolutely not, yeah. Uh, 20 years before that, over 50 years now since Unalinsky stepped off that bus, as you say. And for people unfamiliar with uh, Porter's Town Lane in County Meath, it's a two and a half kilometre stretch of country road. Uh, to the west, you have the Dublin Navan Road. To the east or the top of the lane, as the locals would call it, you have Ferry House Road. It's actually not too far from Ferry House Racecourse. It's just on the outskirts of Ratoth. And certainly now, and even more so back then, it was very unusual for something like this to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know how built up it is these days, but certainly in 1971, it was not a built up laneway. Certainly towards the top of the lane, it wasn't. And that would have been the part of the lane that Unalinsky would have walked home from after stepping off that bus on Ferry House Road. She lived at the end of a cul-de-sac, just at a bend about halfway down the lane. It is a little bit more built up nowadays. I was there again only last week, but certainly it was far more sparse back in 1971. Now, the, the makeup of the neighbourhood, I'm sure everybody knew everybody else. Mm-hmm. Were, you know, families interconnected? Yes, they, they were very much so. Um, it really was a community where everybody knew everybody. Neighbours were always knocking into one another. Um, you were never left wanting if you needed anything from your neighbours. It was, and to a certain degree still is, a small farming community. Um, Una Linsky's father, Patrick, was actually from a County Mayo and he had moved to the area in the late 1930s. 1939, I think, he had been allocated land, farming land, uh, by the Land Commission. Um, he and his wife, Winnie, um, settled down there. They had 12 kids. Uh, Una was 19, as I say, at the time that she went missing. She was the fifth eldest. And next door to them was um, Una Linsky's um, uncle and his family. Um, So he went on to have 11 kids. They live next door. And Winnie Linsky also had another brother living in the area. So there were a lot of familial connections. They'd all been moved there as a result of the Land Commission. Uh, Very, very tight-knit community. Now, there were sightings of a Ford car and there were some screams heard that even by a number of locals and that would be maybe a focal point. And also, mm-hmm. uh, some people got a clear view of the man they thought might be the suspect. That's right. Um, we've spoken to a lot of people as part of our research into this podcast. And I suppose two of our main contributors would be uh, Una Linsky's cousin, a man called uh, Pora Gohan, and his wife, uh, Mary. And I suppose before we get into what... Porrick in particular heard and saw on that fateful night. 
I think we have a clip from them here and this is um, Porrick and Mary uh, who both grew up and still live on Portistown Lane and here they are I suppose outlining what kind of a childhood they had and what kind of a life they had in Portistown Lane before all this happened. It was just great to live here because uh, it was the country and uh, we didn't have that much. Um, my father was, uh, he was did a little bit of market gardening but it, uh, dairying was the big thing and uh, we would have been involved with um, Ireland football and that was a big thing and that was a big thing for Linsky's next door because we played together. Growing up with them was great. Um, I would call them my best friends. We went back to them. They went back to us. Uh, they were all lovely, lovely kids growing up. And Una was no no different from anywhere else. Okay, if she was a bit shy, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have known that. Lovely, lovely looking girl and good personality and Everyone got on well with her. People visited at night. It was kind of when the farm work was done. and But also during the day, um, I often think we were so privileged growing up because we had both parents at home. You know, they were there all the time. Like, you know, my dad, he'd be working, but he'd be just out in the farm, the fields, the sheds. But we had both parents there. I loved being in the country. I did love that. It sounds like an idyllic childhood. Absolutely. And all of uh, North uh, County Dublin and me, they're market gardening, farming and so on. Um, so the kind of place where nothing bad really happened. Uh, absolutely. And Porrick touched on it there, you know, when speaking about Una. And it was the same description that a lot of people who we've spoken to who knew her back in the day would say that she was a very shy, unassuming girl, but very friendly, very personable, a very beautiful uh, young woman. And something like this had never happened and before. Mm-hmm. And, and sadly, um, you know, Una... Una was killed in very tragic circumstances in, in 1971 and we delve into that in, in the podcast obviously but she, she wasn't the, the only tragedy um, in the Porterstown Lane area around that time and again that's something that we get into later in the episode uh, in the podcast but in terms of I suppose what happened that night in particular on the 12th of October 1971 there is a pivotal pivotal 15 minute window from the moment that Una Linsky stepped off that bus and said goodbye to her cousin Anne Gotten, as you mentioned she stepped off the bus um, just before seven o'clock. According to Anne Gohan, it was seven minutes to seven exactly. We don't know to this day what happened in the next 15 minutes um, or so. But what we do know is that Una never made it home and, and was indeed found in the Dublin mountains, as you say, uh, sometime later. And what happened in that 15 now, minutes... Now when then, we say sometime later, we're talking not minutes later or hours later, no. a lot subsequently. A- a- absolutely, yes. Months later, uh, Una's body was found uh, up the Dublin mountains. Um, but in that pivotal 15 minute uh, time frame, people in the area heard screams Uh, coming from some fields known locally as the Three Acres. Um, There were also sightings of a mysterious car. Now, people were unsure as to whether it was a Ford Zephyr or a Ford Zodiac. And through my research in relation to both cars, the Zodiac and the Zephyr looked very similar. I I, I do. I'm old enough to remember them. They did look very similar. But the Zodiac, I'm sure you would agree, was a far more luxurious model. In fact, it was a car driven by ministers at the time. Um, So people had spotted this Ford Zodiac and it did catch their eye because not only was it unusual to see cars on the road at that time, but it was certainly unusual to see a Ford Zodiac. And here in another clip taken from the first episode of the podcast, we have Porrick Gohan outlining what he heard and saw as he made his way home because he had stepped off a bus around about the same time that Una had albeit from the other side of the lane, from the west or the bottom of the lane. 
we just I just heard something coming behind and we just stepped in and uh, it would have been at the last seconds that uh, that I turned around and uh, I mean I saw this car coming towards me um, beautiful car but the, that car was sort of up on up on us before you heard no sound so it just shows you how I showed you how new the car was and how clean and there was no there was no noise out of it um, and that car just um, crept by us it wasn't going fast and I looked straight into the driver. I got a great look at him. Um, this was this middle-aged man, well-dressed, suit, tie, um, well-groomed. Did you have any idea what type, make, model of a car it was? I wouldn't have been into cars. I mean, I did know. Uh, I would have. I would have known the make, uh, the type of car. Whether I did, I would. I didn't know whether it was a Zephyr or a Zodiac. Uh, and that is crucial because. Mm-hmm. There were some lads uh, who were driving a Zephyr, mm-hmm. similar to the Zodiac, but uh, not as upmarket and yeah. probably a, an older model, shall we say. I think battered is probably the, the best way to describe um, the car of a local lad called Dick Donnelly. Uh, he and Martin Conmey and another local lad called Marty Harrigan uh, were the best of pals, the three amigos. Dick Donnelly was the eldest of them. He was 23. Martin Conmey at the time was 20. And uh, Marty Kerrigan then was the youngest of the group. He was 19 years of age. Both Martin and Dick uh, worked on a farm at the time. Um, They used to go driving around in Dick Donnelly's battered Ford Zephyr. They were driving around the area in this uh, Ford Zephyr uh, that evening. And I suppose one thing that struck me about this story was how quickly um, the alarm was raised. So Una was due home a little after seven o'clock and her mother, uh, Winnie, uh, went out into the night with her husband, uh, Patrick, looking for uh, Una when she didn't return home. And, and that was less than an hour after she was due to because arrive home. Because if she missed uh, that bus that she normally got, mm-hmm. uh, there mightn't be one for ages and ages. There might not be a, a, another one at all. That's the thing. And it was unusual for Una um, not to come home on time as well. So the search for Una got underway straight away. Um, locals were out in force. Um, farmers arrived in droves. Every neighbour was out on the street um, looking for uh, Una. In fact, we have another clip here from uh, Marty's sisters, Anne and Katie, who describe very well um, what happened on the street in the immediate aftermath um, when it became clear that Una hadn't arrived home. There was a gathering there on the post town lane. Okay. Just the neighbours, it would have been at that stage. And and you guys went out at one stage to just see what was going on and you were told that Una was missing. She hadn't come home from work. And clearly in at a time when people didn't have mobile phones in their pockets and it wasn't as easy to get in touch. What was the feeling amongst people on the street that were out searching? Were people worried, concerned, frightened? Yeah, they were. They were because it was unusual that she didn't get home from work at the normal time that she would be home at. So as time went on, people were getting worried as to what happened to her. And at that stage... Katie, had it become clear that people had heard screams? I'd say it was, yeah, well, um, Kathleen Gahan was one of the people that heard the screams. So naturally enough, she would have told the family next door, the Linsky family, that she heard the screams, you know. And other people, there was other people, Parik then had seen somebody driving a car 
and he would have given the description of that chap. And uh, yeah, there was lots of people, lots of people seen that car that night. Yeah. Now, I presume at the beginning uh, it was someone who has disappeared mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm not sure what the guard they would have said at that time. Would they have said, hang on, young people go missing all the time and eventually turn up? Or did they take it really seriously as perhaps an abduction and uh, ultimately when her body turned up uh, a murder? How quickly did it escalate? Well, the local guard, they were on the scene almost immediately um, within hours. As I say, the search party was well underway at that point. But, I mean, even... Una Linsky's own sister, who was out uh, looking for her that night, wasn't overly concerned. Um, She thought that perhaps she had maybe run away, that she would come home. I don't think it really sank in the prospect of what may have happened, the more sinister element of what may have happened to Una, until neighbours started sharing stories of screams that they heard around the time that she would have been coming home. Mm -hmm. And obviously you had Porrick Gohan spotting that mysterious and suspicious car driving along the laneway. But that wasn't the only sighting of a suspicious car in the area. There were several. Um, Now, in the days afterwards, another man, James Donnelly, a local farmer, came forward to say that he saw something um, far more sinister than what Porrick had seen. He described seeing a car speeding out of the junction. In fact, he he and his van had to swerve out of the way to avoid a a collision. He said he saw a man driving this large, dark-coloured Ford car and he said that he saw a girl, a young girl in the back who seemed to be struggling with a man who was trying to kiss her and he described her as looking very frightened. So obviously when that man made that statement a few days later, he didn't know Unalinsky. He made that statement a few days later and obviously things in terms of the guard investigation ramped up at that stage and you had the murder squad arriving from Dublin Castle Mm. then a few days later. Now, we have to remember the era. There was Mm. no CCTV and no mobile phones Uh, Even finding a phone box to make a call may be hard enough. Not everyone had a landline um, because Albert Reynolds had yet to take over the Department of P&T and Mm -hmm. reform the whole thing. So a a very different era. Uh, And the Gardaí, their investigation, how would you characterise it? Well, certainly in the early stages, as I say, it was um, a a search operation. But once the murder squad arrived in the scene, and and you're right to say that things were very different, certainly in in terms of how they investigated crimes uh, back in the day, you know, certainly in urban centres across the country. Now you would have dedicated detective units in every guard of the station. That wasn't the case back in 1971. There was a group of specialised Gardaí that were known as the technical unit. They were based at Dublin Castle, but they were known colloquially as, as the murder squad. Now, there have been allegations made over the years about heavy handed approaches that certain members of that unit would have made. I'm thinking of high profile cases like the Kerry Babies case, the Salins train robbery as well that you may remember. But these all kind of came from the mid 70s through the 80s. But certainly through our research for this case and certainly as you see the series develop, you will see that perhaps um, there were origins of this in our story and certainly a lot of the local people would think that the approach that the Gardaí took wasn't necessarily the right one. The killer or whoever abducted Una that evening left clues behind. Absolutely. And what we'll be asking throughout the series is were those clues followed? Okay. And uh, people were brought to trial but... Turns out not the right people, but that'll unfold in the course of of the the series. Um, you also have a, 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 a specially developed page that yep. people can go to 
which will help them understand the geography of the whole situation. That's right. Um, Mick Staines and the digital team have done a brilliant job putting together something in the background on the News Talk website, newstalk.com. You'll find it at Deeper Inside the Crime. You have interactive maps of Porterstown Lane because it's almost misleading to describe it as a lane. It's two and a half kilometres mm. long, a lot of fields and, and a lot of locations that are key to our story. It's almost like a character itself. You also have uh, family trees and photographs and other exclusive content. All right. Well, Inside the Crime, the Una Linsky murder is available now on the Newstalk app, powered by Goloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as Frank said, go to newstalk.com forward slash deeper inside the crime for that interactive map and family trees to help listeners follow as each uh, episode is released, which will happen on Tuesdays. Yep. Frank Graney, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.